Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central. Only on PBS. Hello, my name is Dave Hannity and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 35 of the No Encore Music Podcast. It's a post-Donald Trump world and I'm fucking terrified. Craig Fitzpatrick was working on News Talk on the morning of the announcement of our new overlord. Craig, how was the mood? Sean Hannity, it was grim <laughs> for the week that's in it. That's a really lazy nickname. <laughs> I was uh, going to go with Love and Angels instead because of something that's coming up. Robbie but, uh, Williams, everybody. I was sticking with Trump. The heavy entertainment show <laughs> will be uh, discussed later in the episode. Um, but, it was, uh, I was on the early shift and there was people that are, were on the overnight shift who had witnessed it going very badly wrong and were like lacking in sleep. And so it was, yeah, it was like carnage that I was turning up to. Very sedate carnage. <laughs> what a band they were. <laughs> sedate One carnage. man who who braved through the night to watch the entire thing with an American, a big American foam finger like Hulk Hogan and a six-pack of beer, I presume, is Cullen O'Regan. Hey, Dave. It uh, ended up being a lot more than a six-pack by the time the night was through. Um, <laughs> we all find our ways to deal with it, I suppose. You seem to have found that shouting loudly is getting you through the week. It's <laughs> the most ebullient opening to a show we've ever had. We're trying to keep it upbeat. I'm trying to keep the momentum going. It's like when Prince died. I want to make like... <laughs> I want to make no encore great again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please don't bring up Prince's death. Well, well th- like, <laughs> things are times are fucking tough. Well, Hillary, Hillary Clinton. She wore purple, purple in her concession speech. Well, you see, she purple did. is red and blue coming together. 
Oh, that's what that means. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's Subtle. a lot of, you know, symbolic stuff about purple. A lot that of people could go are scared. A lot of people are upset. Uh, we're not a political podcast, so we're not going to get into it too much. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's not good, is it, guys? Perhaps. I don't know. But then again, a friend of the show, Joshua Hughes, reckons that it might all be okay. Mm, he's not living in America. Yeah. That was not. my thinking. I mean, as much as we're like, oh, it's dreadful that he's now representing America and he's a bit of a buffoon and this seems surreal. My feeling, like, when I heard the news, it was like this sinking thing of, imagine if you're actually living there and this is going to affect your daily life. And if yeah. you're a black us, person living there. Uh, yeah, exactly. If unlike us, you weren't a white male. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I was... It, you know, first thing in the morning, I was like, I, I you know, I fucking, I, this is unbelievable and awful and kind of wasn't really surprised, but, uh, it, you know, it hit me properly a few hours later. I was washing my hands and it just hit me. It's like, it, like Donald Trump is the president of the United States of America. That it, just hit me like a ton of bricks and I froze. It keeps hitting me. Like, it's, yeah, it's that weird thing where, I don't know, it's... Makes no sense. I feel like we should have a bed of the doors, the end, just playing underneath this. But you hate so, the doors. Yeah, I do. Jim Morrison is essentially the kind of Donald Trump of rock, except that's a bit harsh on <laughs> tell the Jim listeners why you Tell the listeners why you hate the doors. Um, because Jim Morrison thought he was the greatest poet of all time, and he was ridiculously rubbish, and he was a boorish <laughs> douche that had nothing to say, and their music was atrocious. <laughs> People are strange, Craig. <laughs> oh, when you're a stranger. Oh, God. It's not lighting my fire. Well, obviously, in terms of music in relation to the election, a lot of musicians have been very vocal up until the election took place. And naturally enough, in the fallout afterwards, the vast majority, pretty much the overwhelming majority, of course, is musicians lining up to express shock and distaste and disdain and fear and all of the negative emotions that you might imagine. I wonder if anyone's going to make good in their promise to leave America. There was lots of that. I think sure, said she would get out of there. Did she say purely through emojis, as appears to be her main way of communicating? <laughs> or block days. capitals on Twitter, yeah. She's very up-to-date all the time. Like, back in the early 2000s, it was just through the vocoder. And yeah. now she's moved on to emojis, so she's going to be, like, doing augmented reality within two years. I mean, Snoop has threatened to leave the States. He, he has. Says, uh, yeah. he, he, he's going to Canada. Um, he reached out to Drake, asking him to, <laughs> sort, to sort him out with a hookup for some property. Fuck this shit, I'm going to the six. Uh, Is Drake a real estate agent? <laughs> <laughs> gotta make ends meet, man. That album, you know, it's only streamed yeah, for a billion times. Views also has a brochure of some of the properties around Rod. <laughs> it's aptly named. He's an emotional real estate agent. Uh, mm. but before we get to news, uh, just to wrap up, there was one thing that kind of jumped out at me in particular in this whole election fallout. Uh, Bethany Cosentino of the band Best Coast on Twitter uh, besieged besieged her fans and said, you know, everyone's scared today. If anyone can't deal with this, you know, please email me on this email address and I'll be there for you. And I, I think that's really fucking irresponsible and kind of dangerous and a really shit thing to do because I think that, like, you're going to have people actually doing that. And then, like, what are you going to do next week? Are you going to respond to all of these fans? Yeah, but hysterical? she has been... She's one of these people that has a hugely intense kind of relationship with her fans on Twitter, so it makes kind of sense for her to do it. And also when you see like reports today of like, you know, trans teenagers committing suicide already and if maybe she helps some of her well, younger I, fans. I don't mean to in any way, yeah. you know, like dismiss the genuine concerns of people who might get an outlet, but I mean that just sounds like an awful lot of work. Well you are kind of opening the floodgates too, yeah. Yeah, and I mean like who am I to fucking say this? You know, I'm not a fucking famous musician with a massive fan base. I'm a famous podcast host <laughs> with, with a, a massive fan base. Fan base. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you have to think though from uh, Bethany Cosentino's point of view it's like you know people looking for help in that situation perfectly reasonable encouraging them to get help perfectly reasonable encouraging them to contact the front woman yeah. of your band of choice 
as the person to give you help, you know, I'm pretty sure there's more qualified individuals out there. Put yeah. it that way. Yeah, it's an emotional plea in an emotional time, but ultimately I just worry about all the admin that she's taking on. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of admin. She's probably very busy. <laughs> they haven't factored in the I cost think, of I, office supplies. I think Trump here. is also starting to worry about that. He's just like, okay, I'm president. How much admin do I have to do now, really? What size does the fucking wall have to be? <laughs> my, yeah. Gmail, uh, my Gmail is like almost at capacity. And I'm like, I oh, thought I'm you were going, going to give it out there. I'm going <laughs> to delete all these emails. and Yeah, so I, but, I just... In, you she did also seem very upset, so and she was saying that was helping her through it. So I think, it, as you just said, it was an emotional reaction on her behalf. And yeah, look, we're only human, and <laughs> you know, we we all have things that kind of rub us up the wrong way. Michael Stipe of OREM fame was everybody in... hurts, Dave. <laughs> I'm taking a minute. <laughs> Michael Stipe of OREM fame was talking to Alec Baldwin of Alec Baldwin fame. On some kind of weird roundtable podcast thingamajig, a uh, 40-minute conversation that he had about his life and career, touching on everything from his early days as a music fan, through his years at OEM, to his current life out of the spotlight. And uh, Alec Baldwin has received a lot of praise and a lot of corners for his Donald Trump impression that he did on Saturday Night Live. Michael Stipe said to him, while that is funny and satirical and quite brilliant, do you not worry that you know you were part of the problem in giving Trump this big platform and normalizing him through the media? You could argue that the media in America almost got him elected, really, so... Uh, and this wasn't like a, a, a brash back and forth by any means. It was two mates obviously having a chat. But I think Stipe makes a good point. Yeah, I very much do as well. And I've seen a lot of that on Twitter, you know, referencing when he, he Trump turned up on Jimmy Fallon. And he was kind of rubbing his hair. That and it was, is, you know, that's one of those moments, man. Yeah. That's like gross. But I think it's also that thing that, you know, when I said I had that dawning realization of, oh, this is a reality. I think everyone right up until like a week or two beforehand was just like this is isn't happening he's just a figure of fun yeah apart from the people who actually voted for him basically <laughs> yes. that, that's yeah. the issue isn't it that from the start we all thought that he shouldn't be taken seriously and everything he sh- said should be taken literally whereas the voters kind of went the opposite way around yeah. and they said he's not literally going to round up all the Muslims and deport them he's not literally going to build a wall he's just going to take a tougher stance on immigration and they took him seriously and uh, yeah now look what you fucking did <laughs> <laughs> well uh, Michael Stipe as we say he's currently enjoying his life out of the spotlight uh, he revealed that he's produced and co-written the new Fisher Spooner album I know when I saw that name it's like what? <laughs> that's gotta They're be still a around. mistake <laughs> I, I, bought, I remember buying NME magazine in 2001 and yeah. they were like in it and like I remember like like they're like it's the new buzz band and the new act that's driving people crazy really which My- is clearly why they've reached out to new buzz producer Michael <laughs> Stipe I suppose well I, I think just new producer <laughs> like, yeah. I interviewed um, Grand Pocket Orchestra Dublin's Grand Pocket Orchestra, which Paddy Hanna was in. I interviewed Paddy Hanna a few years ago for Hopper. It's one of my most enjoyable Hopper's interviews I ever did because he's very funny. Spent most of the interview just laughing about Jean-Claude Van Damme movies and stuff. And he told the story about how they were on some label in the UK or he was trying to get the band on some label in the UK and they were like playing hardball and their version of playing hardball was, well, listen, lads, we've got Fisher Spooner on our label. <laughs> And like that was a gag then, and yeah. that was like five years ago. How is this? How is Fisher Spooner still a thing? The first time I heard of Fisher Spooner, it was basically saying these are the worst band around at the moment, Rubbish. and that was about two thousand and two. Now, in fairness, I think they missed the moment, or they almost arrived too soon because they were doing this weird kind of campy electro pop New York are you thing. Giving Fisher Spooner M ahead of their time designation yeah. here. <laughs> I think they might have been taken slightly more seriously if they had arrived at the same time as say Scissor Sisters. <laughs> 
<laughs> but then quickly dismissed <laughs> but, um, by, hey, a rockist, by a rockist music press. Hey, listen, if Michael Stipe takes them seriously, they're all right by me. Well, I, I wonder what Michael Stipe's been, uh, you know, like, what goes on in that man's head, because I'm not convinced <laughs> that everything he said was on the level. I mean, he said that Prince always hated me for the fact that Oriam owned their masters and he didn't. Fair enough. I can yeah. see how that yeah. could be a thing. But then he said how he was offered uh, Kevin Spacey's role as the killer in David Fincher's 1995 film 7. Spoilers for a film from 21 years ago there, by the way. Uh, but he had to turn it down because it conflicted with an OREM tour. And I, I, that I, makes perfect sense to me. I instantly pictured him in that role. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. Just the well, look because, of him. Well, I don't know both, if he's an actor. Because they're both bald, is it? N- no. Well, not no, at all. But like, he Michael Stipe made a Im- properly yeah. creepy dude when he wanted to look. Yeah. I guess. No, I, I was like, he has I that awkward s- kind of, yeah, I, I could see it. I could see him as uh, Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. I'm take a moment. <laughs> <laughs> But you, you, so you, so you think he's basically turned into a wind-up merchant that's just saying random things. And he's to the get last reaction. person I ever thought. I'm, I'm looking for Fisher Spinner to turn around tomorrow and go. We work in coffee shops now, man. What are you on about? <laughs> what the fuck? It's such a weird hodgepodge. Like I've, I've headed this segment of news. Strange Michael Stipe roundup. Yeah, because I mean, it is. You don't know what circles he moves in. I, mean, I know he's friends with the Dalai Lama, for example. Yeah. Fisher Spooner, we know, know now. Courtney Love. It's an eclectic group. <laughs> so. I tell you, lads, he has the best dinner parties you've ever fucking seen. <laughs> I uh, watched Seven recently with Dave Higgins, of a uh, friend of this podcast. Former, fame. For, for fame, former <laughs> guest. Uh, recently, on a, when I was rather hungover, it was the day uh, of the Galaxy's gig, actually. A great way to kick it off. You're going to go see the Galaxy at half twelve at night. Watch Seven at like one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, nothing puts you in a better mood. That film holds up, by the way. That's a that's a great fucking film. It is. Terrific. What's in the box? <laughs> he gets a lot of slagging over that. I think he's really good in it. But um, someone who wasn't alive when Seven was released. Oh, that's frightening. Okay, yeah. S- yeah, yeah. I thought you were about to say, oh, that's a great link, Dave. <laughs> it's very good. It as actually well. is. It is Pull that yeah. out of your heart. <laughs> On the spot. Like... Lord uh, wasn't alive when Seven came out. I hope she's seen it. And I hope I haven't spoiled the ending for her that Kevin Spacey is revealed as the killer. Uh, she wrote a really long self-indulgent letter. Uh, the Guardian put it up, and I presume it originated on Tumblr or something. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's basically announcing her new album uh, on the eve of her 20th birthday. Uh, it's really long. Did you, guys, did you guys read it? I've read the segments you've given us. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did read it, yeah. Oh, it's really the, long. You read the whole thing. Yeah. How yeah. long are we talking? Because I haven't seen the full extent. So I'm looking at paragraphs here. And it, was, okay. it was originally on Facebook, and it was yeah. Yeah. So an open letter Winding. to your fans. Uh, the crux. open letter ship, by the way. Today yeah. I saw that Aaron Sorkin wrote an open letter to his, to his daughter. Wife. No, to his wife and daughter, who he presumably lives with. Yeah. I just want to. Know, don't, yeah. I just want to know how often he plagiarized himself. Have you seen those YouTube videos of the Aaron Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin supercuts? No. Yeah, in which they take like key uh, dialogue exchanges from the West Wing, from Sports Night, from the uh, newsroom, from A Few Good Men, from everything he's ever in the social network, and the amount of times you'll find different actors saying the exact same dialogue. Now, don't get me wrong; it's great dialogue. Yeah. But he loves himself. The they do time. say genius steal, so if you're stealing from yourself, you must be like fucking hawking. But the best part is the first episode ends with him getting like some kind of honorary doctorate at some college and he's dressed up in the in the gown and he's quoting himself again from one of his shows. It's perfectly put together. Look it up, guys. It's okay. really, really good. Um, yeah, Lord, uh, I'll read some of this. It wraps up with her saying that writing Pure Heroin, her debut album, was my way of enshrining our teenage glory, putting it up in lights forever so that part of me never dies. And this record, well, this is about what comes next. I want nothing more than to spill my guts right now about the whole thing. I want you to see the album cover, pour over the lyrics, the best I've written in my life, she says. Touch the merch, experience the live show. 
I can hardly stop myself from typing out the name. She needs to keep working on it. Big day's not tomorrow, even next month. But soon. I know you understand. And then she goes, oh my god, it's midnight now. I'm 20. Fuck. And my perfect little brother Angelo is 15. Happy birthday, kid. Sorry your sister is so weird and emotional in public all the time. She That's wraps, considerate. She wraps mm. up by saying... What I'm trying to say is this. This is a special birthday. The party is about to start. I am about to show you the new world. So she's basically Lawrence Fishburne in the Matrix now. That's I guess. also a huge statement for someone turning 20. It isn't turns it? into like a Trump kind of victory speech at the end. I'm, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great birthday. <laughs> I do the best birthdays. These lyrics are so Big good league. you wouldn't believe it. My brother Angelo is 15. Great guy. Terrific great guy. guy. Terrific guy. Um, <laughs> I thought Lord was like one of, one of the good ones. She seems really like... But first of all, people that get way too excited about their own birthdays oh, publicly freaks me, out. freaks me out. And also, when she's addressing her fans and she's saying, I can hardly stop myself from typing out the name, you'll have to hold on. It's just like, oh, do me a favour, love. To be fair, she is 20. She's just left her teens. Yeah. But at the same time, it's that thing. I, when I interviewed uh, the Dillinger Escape Plan a few weeks ago, Greg Pucciato uh, gave me some amazing responses. And one of which was, I asked him, like, you know, how different are you now than when you were auditioned for the Dillinger Escape Plan when I think he was 21? And he basically was saying that, you know, I'm still the same person, but I've with age comes experience and you, you kind of realize a lot more stuff. And Because when you're young, when you're that age, you're so in love with life and you don't have the knowledge that you think that you have, but you plow ahead. And, you know, you, you fuck up, you make mistakes, and ultimately that's part of learning. However... In this day and age, and for someone like Lord, she's on social media with a reach and a fan base of just millions of people. Her fuck-ups and her learning curve is a lot more public and exposed and a lot less forgiving. Yeah. So I'm going to forgive her, and I hope she's a good 20th. To be fair as well, if this was the worst thing that she fucked up on through her teens, and oh, to be yeah. fair, I think she's pretty clean. Oh, no, um, no I'm not actually <laughs> like saying that it is. And I, yeah. I, I quite like Lord. I, I think that first album's really good. And yeah, and as well, like that first album was released when she was 16. Which is mental. It's Super absolutely daunted. insane. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, that's actually a record that I'm quite looking forward to hearing, because... Uh, you know, those are formative years in anyone's life. But as you said, for her especially, they've been, you know, a bit different. Mm. So, uh, yeah, hearing record number two should be interesting. Quite. I wonder if she'll go in a different direction and maybe go hip-hop. You know, it's kind of one of those things where some people can pull it off, some people can't. And uh, a band that come up on the show every now and then, Muse, who won the Best Act in the World Award at the StubHub Q Awards... Like, nothing says sponsoring music than a company that is designed <laughs> to destroying the life music <laughs> designed to take money from you know hardworking people's pockets. Um, yeah, so after winning the this award at the Q Awards, he spoke to Q Magazine afterwards. That must have been a tough interview to arrange. Uh, about I think that's why they had the awards yeah. just to get the interview. Virtual Reality Tour is making a hip hop album, crying over We Will Rock You, and how their new tour is going to have Pokemon vibes. Guys, I feel sick. So can someone take this one, please? Yeah. By the way. This is the third time I checked that Muse have won the best act in the world from Q. Uh, the list has just been dreadful over the years. Um, so yeah, Q have just kind of exceed themselves every year of just who can we actually book and get and give ridiculously outlandish awards um, and then get them to chat and Matt likes an L chat. Um, yeah, I mean, going in a hip hop direction, they've done like EDM before, so it's I'm not surprised. They're talking about doing augmented reality stuff at live shows, which is a bit different to, like, artists saying, put away your phones. They're saying, get them out, which is at least something. Get your phones out for the lads. Get your phones out for the muse, lads. Um, But, yeah, I mean, aside from this interview, he's also had to come out and say that he wasn't really in favour of Brexit. 
Um, Heavens no. Yeah, just all this kind of stuff. I, they just infuriate me at this point. They don't want to do a musical because he saw Queens We Were Rocky and he cried and he thought, I'll never, you know, it's too emotional and could we redo the same thing? But I don't fucking care about this band <laughs> anymore. Yeah, and, you know, when you hear your Pokemon vibes, like this it's, definitely... Oh, such a kind of, what are the catchwords at the moment? And oh, it sounds like it's been built by a load of people in digital marketing, doesn't it? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Don't you slag off digital marketing, mate. That's <laughs> <laughs> the future. But, uh... Agencies with table tennis tables, nothing wrong with that? Oh, yes. Nothing wrong with that. Yes, indeed. Well, I guess that does it for news. Oh, hold on a second! Attention, everyone! One, one... Shut up! Craig on Kanye! And that just might be President Kanye. Guys, what you reckon? Enough of Trump 2016. Kanye 2020. Easy 2020, bitch. Obviously, as soon as the results came out, the kind of, you know, first thought that everyone had and was tweeting about, including me, was, well, Kanye's going to be doing it in four years, isn't he? Um, But apparently, the odds on Kanye becoming the next American president are shorter than Trump had at the start of his own campaign. Um, Now, they are 100 to 1, one book, he says. Um, which is the same as Arnie, who actually can't do it yeah. legally. So not great odds. Um, but Kanye is one of the few people who said, yes, I'm actually, this is something I'd be interested it's in doing. Though. Like, he's got a long time to get the campaign off the ground. He certainly does. And, you know, as I said on Twitter, people were up for it. There was that cartoon of Kanye in the Oval Office Look. in an Adidas tracksuit. so good. <laughs> it looked amazing. <laughs> I love the fact in the background all the photos were of Kanye himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no family glasses, photos. Yeah. Uh, Kanye tweeted it, so he's still no, very... No, that was, that was a fake Kanye. Oh, was it? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, well, I'm sure he's still very Ray, much you're, up for You're it. a business journalist these days. You can't afford to be making these mistakes. <laughs> Somebody will get fired. Edit this out, Alan. No, he don't. did message us on Tuesday evening as well and said, put the house on Clinton. Oh, my God. So that two, was... Two for was two. Brexit's ironic. not happening, lads. Then Eight I immediately later, posted a photo of Trump holding a baby. You're like the so you opposite got the of message. Paul the Octopus. <laughs> yeah. And just as slimy. I'm kidding, Greg. You're lovely, man. I, I, yeah, I, that's I was, a horrible I was thing to say. Sleazy, Especially bro. on my own segment. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for it now. Um, but yeah, his campaign's got off to a rocky start because at his last gig, he was booed off stage by his own fans. <laughs> um, his voice was apparently too hoarse. Um, he's like, if I can't put on a performance, I've, I've got to get out of here. I love you guys. Uh, to which the response in the LA forum was, boo, as he walked off. So yeah, if he's not connecting with his own fan base, not a great start. But I still believe Kanye 2020, he'll sort all our problems. Sometimes you do need a little bit of belief in these dark times something to take the edge off <laughs> or indeed even to let it out a little bit um kind of like a band full of ned flanders <laughs> doing metal <laughs> this is oakley doakley Yeah, that's a song called White Wine Spritzer by a band that, yeah, dress up entirely as Ned Flanders. They do. Colin just pointed to me as if, like, I'm part of this band. I'm not. Uh, see, like, if you heard that clip and didn't know it was attached to a quote-unquote gimmick band, would you say they've done a good job? No. <laughs> Craig? It's, it's, it's passable. It's fine. It's, it's not a, as jokey a song as it should be. It bears little, like, musically, <laughs> there's not a lot of Ned going into it, <laughs> which I think is a good thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're a passable band. Um 
I like the fact that they're like I was just are these actually seasoned musicians? Do we know any background? Because well, that's a difficult genre to get right and they sound like they can play their instruments. But like the members are listed as Head Ned, Red Ned, uh, Stead Ned, Tread Ned and Bled Ned. Okay. So I was thinking you could be Dread Ned. I could be Cred Ned. Colm, what would you fancy being if you were going to be in on tambourine? I'll... Oh, sorry, to, to add into this. Oh, God. Think about it for a minute. I, I will. Um, Get back to us next week. But yeah, I mean, it's not Maybe the worst. Maybe I could bring an EDM vibe and I could be Zed Ned. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. It <laughs> all comes geometric together. Geometric shapes. Um, yeah, like, I, I just hated the idea of this when you guys said we were going to do it. But it did kind of cheer me up watching the video. And they look like a kind of it more... It cheers you up watching the video in which they beat a man to death. <laughs> okay. I like the way they're dressed as kind of... They end up looking like a more kind of restri- reserved and restrained diva or something. It's just... Just that yes, more normcore thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Nedcore, I mean, like, there was some rumblings about them earlier in the year, then they released a song that sounded actually like it was fairly relatively accomplished, but, you know, not going to take put the deaf heavens out of the world out of a job or anything. But they weren't <laughs> good enough for our songs of the week either, it would seem. A very busy songs of the week. Kind of some stuff even just released mere hours before the show came out. And, okay, what should we do here, guys? We could start with some heavyweight names, or we could do our favourite random number game. Let's do a random number random game. Random numbers. Okay, Craig. Four. Okay, Cullum. <laughs> I'm so happy this. that you opened with this. <laughs> this is uh, Usna goalkeeper and singer-songwriter Eric Usgard with his new song, Orange Blue. I still be summer, summer, yeah, no malt. I still be summer, the system on a fault. Two snare, eina, rettet mot oss. Halve matira, so skal ut og slås. Right, so that is another club song by Eric Ostgaard. Remind the listeners. He is goalkeeper for Usana, who are in the second tier of the Norwegian League, and they are my team. Your FC Usana boys. Yeah. And you've seen this team in the flesh. Uh-huh. They had to get merchandise in because you wanted to buy some. Yeah. You were given a tour of the ground. Yeah, and while I was being given a tour of the ground, I was told that he'd just written a new song. And so This is the song. Yes, yeah, so I've been okay. waiting for it since May. Now, I have to I have to ask you the question. Is he intentionally ripping off Bastille or is that just a happy accident? No, I think it is an accident. Okay, so if it's there not just... is a bit of a Bastille See, vibe now, here. I don't speak Norwegian uh-huh. and I don't uh, I don't have a Norwegian girlfriend unlike you. So I don't know what these lyrics mean. Do mm. you have any idea? I do. Okay, now I had an idea before I even had the, them translated for me because it came to you in a dream. Well, no, the first song was. I mean, it's militaristic stuff. It's like you know, we're going to die on the pitches, Myrdalgress, and then yeah. we're going to die as martyrs of Myrdalgress. Have and you joined some weird fascist ultra football can, game? Actually, no, we just fu- take it very seriously. Funny you say this, by the way. This is the song I've listened to most this week, purely because I was w- in work today, riding away, and it was just on repeat, and I was too kind of zone in the zone to kind of turn it off. I went away and came back, and I was working on a piece about the rise of the far right <laughs> <laughs> continental Europe. And this song started, started to sound very sinister. Yeah, <laughs> as he started hearing lyrics like, Until everything has ended and life is over, I'll still be an us and a boy. And until my body is lying still, my heart will be pumping orange blood. Yeah. Forever and always we are orange and black. It quickly became quite oppressive. So, yeah, very much like Bastille. I imagine <laughs> it would really psych you up in the tunnel, though. Or in the dressing room. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, I I feel like we need to speak to this man. Okay. And I'm going to put it out there right now. 
let's get him on the podcast. All right. If somebody in Norway, I hope, is listening to this, or and, uh, I'll settle for a club statement, something. <laughs> you have an in. I do. I do. Look, we'll see what we can do. Can and we get yeah, stars? if anyone in Norway is listening, uh, yeah, tweet us and let us know. How are they doing this uh, at the moment? Is uh, it, is season is just over and finished. Kind of mid table, tenth place finish. So safely in the second year for another year. Good to hear. And uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, I looking will at the page. Go for. Oh, sorry. Uh, number three. Okay, uh, yes, uh, obviously the American election had a lot of people reacting in different fashions and run the jewels who were heavily associated with Bernie Sanders when he was campaigning and of course care an awful lot about America and are not happy at all what's happened. Decided to try and ease the tension and lighten the mood a little bit in their own kind of way by releasing a song earlier than planned. This, featuring Boots, is 2100. For our friends, for our family, for everyone who's hurting or scared right now, here is a song we wrote months ago. We weren't planning on releasing it yet, but well, it feels right now. It's about fear, and it's about love, and it's about wanting more for all of us. It's called 2100. We hope it finds you well. Love, Jamie and Mike. And as a matter of fact, that's the first time I've realized that LP spells his name Jamie like Jamie Lannister. J-A-I-M-E. Did not know that. Mm. Or like a French person who has lost an apostrophe for gem. That will also do. So, Run the Jewels. <laughs> this is the second track. Three, if you count the snippet that they put on a Gears of War trailer uh, off the upcoming RTJ3. It's a hard one to gauge considering why it's out. Yeah. But once again, they're on scintillating form. Very much so. I mean, I, I said that kind of murderous Ned Core video cheered me up, but this property did. <laughs> um, and Dave, you talked before when we've dealt with songs kind of dealing with Trump more directly than this, that you're not a big fan and it doesn't quite work, doesn't translate. Um, protest music is a difficult thing to do. I think if anyone can do it right now, it's Run the Jewels. And again, as you say, scintillating form. Um, and it's great. It starts kind of in a, sl- a slightly sinister fashion. It's a bit, I don't know, you're kind of bracing yourself. It ends up kind of, you know, quite optimistic, I think. It's got a good message as always. And yeah, for me, they're like this weird combination of outcast and rage. And I think that's always a good thing. So yeah, great stuff. Yeah, no, I did enjoy it. I mean, is it maybe slightly literal at times? I mean, you know. Aren't they always though? But you see, that's you see, I've always kind of found that there's like a touch of, I guess, nuance about it. But, you know, this is just going straight in with the Holocaust talk about three lines in. Yeah. Um, but then again, I, I suppose, given, I do think given that, what it's about, <laughs> I do carry th- on. I do think that Boots, who collaborated with them on early on Run the Jewels 2, a really standout track on that record, uh, lends that kind of necessary kind of lightness, I suppose, that kind of, you know, more somber ballady moments as well, which kind of reminds me of all things of a Macklemore song, uh, Other Side Remix, which I've mentioned before on the show, which is actually a really great song. Uh, yeah, You never left that Macklemore gig, I'm did you? still there, man. I'm still there. Uh, three Arena, Joe Dottie, Dave goes to Macklemore. <laughs> okay, we'll move on. Plug, plug, plug. Plug, plug, plug. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm all about this, and I wish it was under more celebratory terms. I can't wait to hear the record. They've announced a world tour. They've yet to throw European dates out there. And unlike our good friend Abel Tezve, aka The Weeknd, I really hope they don't skip Ireland. Mm-hmm. I hope they come. I hope they come to like a cool show in like fucking the Olympia or something because they are good fun live. So, 
We'll move on. Craig. Number one, please, Dave. Okay. Uh, I'm excited about this one. This broke literally an hour or two before the podcast. This is Los Campesinos, and I broke up in Amaranto. Los Campesinos. Um, last week we talked about Japan droids. Craig's a big fan. Mm-hmm. This is kind of I kind of feel like this like I this is my version of Japan droids. Like, okay. I, like I'm very excited by this band, uh, a band that I first heard back in like 2007 or so with a song called Yumi Dancing, mm. and it was fine. It was a bit twee. It was around that kind of time when you had a lot of like you know you had like uh, you know what was that band who had. Um, I'm not going to teach your boyfriend how to dance with you. Black kids. Black kids, yeah. That's a, a great song. No, it is, but there was a lot of that kind of, those klaxons. There was lots of that kind of, like, you know, almost preppy. It falls, you know, we're, 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 we're breaking out as well, which Cassius remains their only good song. Just That's so ridiculous, by the way. But Cassius is a horrible song. Anyway, go on. Lost Campesinos, I thought, had some nice verve and punch, but they didn't really interest me beyond that when I checked them out on a longer form scale. However, a couple of years ago, 2013, I believe, they released an album called No Blues that a lot of publications were raving over, particularly Drowning Sound, who I write for, and therefore I kept seeing it pop up. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll give this a go. And that's a terrific record. I think it's absolutely fantastic. It has a song on there called Gloomy which is one of my favorite songs and it contains you know uh, one of the greatest lines in a song ever which is in that aforementioned gloomy song in which he's uh, he says people laughed and called it folly but we connected like a yeboa volley wow it's amazing. That is something. <laughs> it is. It's a bit Sultans of Ping, but that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're big into football, and there's football references in this song as well. Uh, this song is uh, trailing their new record, which comes out in February the 24th, and it's a cracker for me. It has that kind of. It has both that style from that original thing I heard from the first from the band about ten years ago, and the more maturation of their sound as heard on No Blues. This is a home run for me. I love it. I've got to be perfectly honest and say that I was not aware of the middle chapter so to speak uh, I was aware of the band yeah. kind of 10 years ago or so and I remembered they it was quite ridiculous at one stage right they they released I think their first two major albums within the space of nine months or something, something like that, that yeah. and yeah and it was probably a little bit of overkill frankly and although as well it was very easy to write off as being this sort of the manifestation of the excitement that their music always seems to have they they, they, they used to just bubble out of the fucking speakers like you were just calm down lads Really, just chill for a second. Uh, but yeah, this is good. And like you say, you know, it, it does have a little more maturity to it. I wasn't aware that they'd gone even further in that regard on previous albums. But yeah, it, it actually sounds decent. I mean, it does still have that little bit of, I guess, twee. Yep, is that the word fair. you'd use? Yeah, that's it fair. does transport you back to a place in time that maybe you don't necessarily want to go back to if you've been out of touch with them. Um, and I, that was my reaction as well. I was like pleasantly surprised. The first 17 seconds, I was like, I want to turn this off. Right. And then I kept playing it. <laughs> it was actually very good. And they're still doing that quite propulsive thing that, that is infectious. And lyrically, it is interesting. And yeah, it m- makes me go, okay, maybe I should review the bits I missed out on. 
So. If, if if either of you guys are unfamiliar with No Blues, I can't recommend you check it out highly enough. I mean, it's not a fucking 10 out of 10, but it's excellent. And it's really impressive. And it holds over the course of the record as well. I was really shocked by it. And that song, Gloomy, is genuinely one of my favorites. I think it's I think it's wonderful. An absolutely wonderful song. This bodes well, and I'm very excited to hear them back. So come February, that's one uh, album that we can have to look forward to for next year. Uh, another one to look forward to next year is The Return of the XX who released a track today as well. Their album comes out, I think, in January. Uh, this is Hold On, and it's a little bit different. See what you think. When and where did we go cold? I thought I had you on hold. Okay, so the XX, uh, an interesting band. Um, I mean, fun isn't a word that I would necessarily throw at them, but <laughs> there's fun here, right? I mean, like uh, chiefly because of the sample. They sample hollow notes in this. Yeah, and you can't go wrong with hollow notes. You just can't on. go wrong with hollow notes, um, despite what you know some people might think. You cannot go wrong with hollow notes. So yeah, this is an interesting one because it has that XX kind of sound, that kind of you know lazy morning sun rising, and we're walking home from a party. But then this wacky Jamie XX, more kind of revved up sample comes in, which obviously makes sense given his exploits as a solo artist. Uh, does it work? I think it does. Yeah. I think it's not an easy balance to achieve. Um, you know, kind of that sort of lazy, like you say, that sort of soft electro style and then something that's almost moving kind of towards R&B style sampling coming in. Um but yeah, they they don't seem caught between stations on this one. It seems to meld quite nicely. And I do like how the tempo changes relatively smoothly. It's like I never actually felt thrown mm. by the song. And when you actually consider how much they managed to do in a relatively short space of time, that's impressive in itself. It feels like, yeah, this was the right move for them to make. It works really well. And I think they needed this because it was, you know, I was wondering where do they really go because they've got such a defined sound or they had up until this point and it's not you know it's not a complete you know about face um, but it's a nice refreshing update it kind of recontextualizes those vocals which are again doing you know the same thing they've done on most of their songs but yeah it, it freshens it up and it's um, exactly what you need as you go into their third record so yeah good stuff yeah smart muscles to flex and we look forward to that record which comes out in January uh, in the meantime they will appear on Saturday Night Live on the 19th of this month so one to check out uh, we'll close out this week on a song which is a really bad song to close out on because it's lightweight <laughs> as all hell uh, but at the same time I mean it's Stevie Wonder It's uh, we haven't had Stevie Wonder on the podcast before and you know if you're listening to Stevie so welcome on. <laughs> <laughs> how you doing buddy sorry to make you wait through all that uh, I'm, I'm amazed he said quiet usually he's like on the piano Stevie well done <laughs> Stevie Wonder and Ariana Grande have teamed up for a, oh no, it's a dreaded kids movie soundtrack song. But maybe it's alright. It's called Faith. Have you got faith? Yeah, it's a bit of fun, isn't it? 
It's upbeat. I mean, like, it's not exactly... Craig sounds so nervous. Well, no, don't get me wrong. Stevie Wonder's not actually in the studio. Yeah, and what's more, like, you know, the people who put together his compilation albums aren't running around just going, shit, we need to squeeze this into the best of. Yeah. I think it's fine. I think, you know, if you look at the list of Stevie Wonder's collaborations, maybe since that dreadful Ebony and Ivory with Paul McCartney back in the early 80s, this is maybe as good as it gets. I mean, Stevie Wonder... Dissing blue. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm dissing blue. Um, and, you know, he's done some weird stuff. Like he's he's had a year where he's worked with both Tony Bennett and Snoop Dogg. He doesn't seem to really care who he works with at this point. He's just an upbeat guy yeah. that's immensely talented and doesn't seem to want to make genius music anymore. And that's fine. So this is the best thing you can do: work with Ariana Grande. Well, we Ariana, like. Ariana Grande is fantastic on this song. Yeah, yeah listen, this is the perfect song for her. We've said before exactly. she has loads yeah. along, and you can just made, and she just shows up, nails it. It's incredibly fun. It's immediately you can't hate it. No, it's immediately infectious. She is an absolute talent of a vocalist and you know her own record Dangerous Woman from this year which I you know will probably come up uh, in our end of year review uh, doesn't have it has verve and it has excellent pop songs but it doesn't have this kind of really fun I mean like she kind of did something similar on that terrible Jesse J song Bang Bang uh, and I think that this is, is much better than Bang Bang I think this is much better than Justin Timberlake's contribution to the Troll soundtrack from earlier this year the long awaited <laughs> yeah. Justin Timberlake song that sent Craig into hysterics on the sorry Colin episode. I'm still so sorry for that <laughs> scared the life out of him <laughs> uh this is all about her. If she wasn't on it, I probably wouldn't care. I think she nails it. I think it's a bit of fun, and it's grand. And for a kid's movie, it'll, I'm sure it'll work just fine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of people who, who can sing pretty well, uh, we took two albums to uh, put under the microscope uh, this week, one of which features maybe a slightly surprisingly impressive vocal turn. It's a new one from Sleigh Bells. It's called Jessica Rabbit, and it sounds like this. <laughs> That is, it's just us now. It's the opening track from the new Sleigh Bells record, a band who, much like Los Campesinos, kind of seemed in an awful hurry for a while. Uh, slowed it down. Mm. We were a few years waiting for Jessica Rabbit. Uh, Craig, was it worth a wait? Uh, for me, it wasn't. And as you said, I mean, really, all the bright spark, like the entire bright spark of this is Alexi Krauss, um, much more than before. And she always worked as a good counterpoint to what was going on musically, noisily. Um, but here she's giving a lot more kind of room to roam. Um, 
melodically, I like what she's doing. The music underneath is not doing it for me. And where they won't, once kind of, you know, very much, I don't know, their kind of key strengths were those big riffs, that kind of slamming thing, that jarring thing. Um, it's it's not working for me anymore. And it's been a while waiting for this. They were in a rush. They released a lot a couple of years ago. But I don't know. I feel like there were maybe a one album and we're done band because I that first so. record yeah. was very, very good. It was. It was, yeah. it was, it was, it was stacked. And like uh, 08, 09 when it comes out, like, I mean, they managed to announce themselves so strongly. That record starts off with like a track that just blows you away instantly. You move along throughout the album. You get like songs like Infinity Guitars, which uses production as a weapon. Um, of course, you know, if you want to take it down a notch, they got Ring Ring or Real Real, whichever Real. publication, you, you know, you, you, you want to look at because like it's, it's been it's been done differently has it? yeah how's it <laughs> <laughs> uh, tracks like Riot Rhythm uh, but they mix the production and the hooks and the infectiousness of it all very very well and I think Pitchfork with their review of this record kind of nailed their potted history section where they kind of said that by the time the third album came along the sugar rush had become a headache and I think that's the best way to put it. On this record, I agree with Cullum in that her vocals and her getting kind of leading light status works very, very well. She definitely nails her her, her role in things, but it's not catchy. It's not infectious enough. And it's that's, not hooky enough. Yeah. And even that first track that we just heard there, that snap of the tempo, it's not that they don't execute it well, but it is jarring. And then you get more of that as it goes along. And it kind of stands against her because... She does have some particularly excellent turns, and you can tell she's working 110% here, but I think the arrangements don't help her. Yeah, I mean, there are points in this album where I think it really does stand up. I think, yeah, her performance is impressive. I mean, I, you know, in the, in the words of Wayne Campbell, like, that chicken whale. <laughs> you know, like, she and she's rarely been given the room to do that before. But uh, it seems like Lightning turns sawdust gold here, and like, yeah. staring, you were just like, okay, you know, this works. Um, a lot of the album is basically like it's a bit patchwork and then seemingly glued together. It feels that way. By that sonic approach that yeah. they have, which sounds like someone has hit like a giant red button in studio labeled Turbo Drive. <laughs> yeah. And it just makes everything go. <laughs> it's a bit much for one sitting. It um, is. It is. It really and that's is. the yeah. other thing. This yeah. album could be about like four or five songs short. 14 tracks long, and there's about two or three interludes as well, and they're not really necessary. Mm. I mean, part of their first record strength was, and I may be wrong here in terms of running time, but it felt brief. You know, there was brevity there, and it was a, an, an assault in the senses in the best kind of way, and it flew by. This, I remember at one point today while I listened to it, I was like, well, I'm sure it's nearly over. And I was on track five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and like, as I said, when you have that sort of constant sound you know it doesn't help it feels like you're listening to the entire album through an instagram filter yeah. and it's just that they've used this to kind of color everything in um it's a barrage and i mean i agree with craig i mean like he i always hate saying shit like this because it just sounds so fucking patronizing and like who am i to even say it but like some bands don't need a second album yeah you know i mean you see here's the thing no like there are points in this record that i think do stand up there are some good songs and frankly at times it feels as though their drive, whether it's internal or external or whatever, to kind of push boundaries and to try something new has probably led them to trying a bit too much. That sometimes maybe scaling it back, whether it's in terms yeah. of the sound itself, whether it's in terms of trying to crush like another disparate idea somewhere in here in the track listing, 
that maybe a less is more approach might actually have worked out a little bit. Yeah, I, I think they started off with, you know, the big idea was let's kind of subvert pop music. Um, but at this point, I mean, if you're in that realm of pop, you know, the, the lines are so blurred um, that you kind of have to live live and die by how strong your pop melodies are. And as Dave says, the songs just aren't that strong. They're not that arresting. Um, and I don't think there's enough inventiveness there either. I mean, great vocal performances at times. Musically, it's not doing it for me. It wouldn't be, you know, up my alley. So, yeah, it it, it really doesn't do a huge amount for me. Um, uh, yeah, it didn't leave a big impression. Yeah, it should be said as well that if you're going to talk about leaving an impression, the ending really isn't strong in that regard. I yeah. think especially given that it's not always an easy ride, you do expect something of a payoff. Yeah. And, and it I mean, really doesn't come. But even like in attempting to subvert pop, they wrote great pop. And it's like, yeah. do that. Yeah, well, they're not, that's that is the fundamental problem. They're not doing that now. So, and four albums in, you're kind of like, where do you go with this? Unless you actually go back to basics and go, you know what? We wrote some fucking great songs. Let's try and do that again. So yeah. it's a five for me. It's a yeah, a four or five. I mean, Ooh, I, I would go six. <laughs> like I it's mean, a no like... way bad record at all. I, I just think that again, you know, we talk about just how much music there is now. I, this one won't be sticking with me. But by all means, if you're a fan, check them out, and I'm sure they're still fun live. And it's you and know, real, real will always be an amazing, song. It's a fantastic, That's song. so much. Yeah. It's a fantastic, fantastic song. Infinity Guitars. That bit at the end of Infinity Guitars when like when when the the audio raises just to crush you in those last ten seconds. Mm-hmm. Incredible stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, some people. You get to a certain point in your albums, you release a certain amount of them, and you wonder, do you really have anything left to give? Robbie Williams, 42 from Stoke, <laughs> has just released his 11th studio album. Can you believe it? Well, I can. Uh, I said nine, and I forgot Swing When You're Winning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, yeah. I can very much believe it. So, uh, the Robster, Big Robbie, is back with the Heavy Entertainment Show, and we will take some audio from the title track because, yeah, you want to hear this. Welcome to the heavy entertainment show Where the more you see, the less you know Welcome to the heavy entertainment show Where Eminem meets Barry Manilow I am notorious for making all the cracks in the choreos I just made up that word Come love the life I'm living There he is. There's the cheeky chappy himself, rhyming notorious with chorus, mm-hmm. and then acknowledging acknowledging his uh, incredible wordplay on a track that, as I said in my review for Drowned in Sound, I said that this is tailor-made to open up an episode of The X Factor on a Saturday night and have Dermot Leary come up and be like, all right, incredible, Robbie, I'll see you later. And I'll whatever the fuck he sounds like. Uh, German O'Leary a pirate in the new series of X-Factor? <laughs> I wouldn't know. I watched one series of X-Factor in my entire life when I was in college, and uh, that was enough for me. Yeah. But, Everyone uh, experiments in college. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was in college, man. <laughs> Let it go, Nark. Crazy days. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. off, Nark. You're a VHS of Fame Academy. <laughs> well, you know, marginally better experience than having to listen to 11 Rob Williams albums in a row, which we didn't do for this because I think our ears would start to melt. That's yeah. going to be our Christmas special. Uh, you know, I, I, I know what I'm going to say here because I wrote the fucking review. I, <laughs> I, I missed, I, I could have went to see Jimmy Eat World this week and I heard it was a great gig, but I stayed home to write a review of a Rob Williams album. Yeah. So how about I'll take a back seat for now and I'll come back in and you guys have a little chat. Okay, I mean, I think it's fitting that we opened up with that song. There's a couple of... Uh, rhyming couplets aside from uh, Notorious and Chorus 
Um, one of them is uh, The More You See, The Less You Know, which I think sums this album up quite well, where as it goes on, you're just like, wow, th- this is even more devoid of personality than I'd initially thought. He also says, uh, welcome to the Heavy Entertainment Show, where Eminem meets Barry Manilow. And I said, that is exactly what this is, right? Because if you ever put them in a room together, right, it would be really awkward. It would feel like it was way longer than it actually was. And whoever's idea it was in the first place would have a lot to answer to. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of saying that Robbie Williams' music is very self-referential <laughs> this time out is extremely <laughs> redundant. I mean, he's based his career he's, on it. He's, he's a real Leonard Cohen uh, type. And yeah. you know what? Once or twice when he's it's he's gotten it right, it, it can actually fly. Yeah. Um, but on this, it's just an excess of that. And, you know, he's always always been the kind of showman that very much goes into the realms of neediness. Um, and w- when you kind of hear about some of the background of this record where he's essentially saying openly that I can't believe that the Killers wrote, gave me this song that they were going to use as like a B-side and I get to sing on a Killers song. It's like he's happy about doing karaoke <laughs> on a Killers song. And you know what? It kind of works. But uh, it's, it's, you know, it's that okay. Song, that song mixed signals, I mean... That it's, is that sounds like it fell off the day and age recording sessions. It's like it's lyrically it's Mr. Brightside. Um it sounds like it's gonna kick into the riff from when you were young, and then yes, the synths are very much day and age. So and it's, it's also a bit of Bon Jovi in there as well. But the thing is, like I mean, and obviously we know this is how pop music works. You do sing other people's songs. Sure, that's no problem with that. There's no problem with that, apart from the fact that he doesn't sound like he's owning any of them. Not a single one of them. And also, I mean like more to the point, I mean to pull back for a second. The first track, the title track, right, boom, comes on, this big variety show, Saturday Night BBC ITV gala performance. The second track, the we've featured it on the show before, Party Like a Russian, which is <laughs> designed to offend and is actually just really lame. But again, it has a Prokeyev sample, and it's all over the place. Then you have this mixed signal song, which just takes you immediately to the Nevada desert. Yeah. Then you have Love My Life, which oh. is this horrible, saccharine, humble brag oh, yeah. about how great his life is, even in the face of adversity. You see, what's more like and that? And it sounds like it was written by a completely different yeah. artist. His career is a humble brag, by the way. Oh, massively. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but he, like the, it should just be a brag. But that song, I mean, it's shit. Crap. At least it would thematically sit at the end of a record, which had had sort of like, you know, the ups and downs of yeah, sort yeah, of mixed yeah. emotions and so on and so forth. Instead, it sits smack bang in the middle, mm-hmm. surrounded by tracks that make you just go, do you really? Because it's <laughs> yeah. hard to tell you. Then right? we have a track called Motherfucker, so edgy, which is Oasis Light and appears to be a warning to his two-year-old son about how awful his family is, which, you know, might work if it wasn't this horrific, you know, hands behind your back, yeah. yeah it's really bad and then you have a track called bruce lee which is his version of let's stick together <laughs> and it starts with a wilhelm scream yeah what the fuck is this album oh, yeah well actually <laughs> who the fuck made it bruce lee and then sensitive are the two songs that i was like i can keep listening to these sensitive is his weird r&b george yeah. michael and bruce lee does a weird kind of tv dvc15 bowie slash pop levi um like glam thing which kind of suits him in a this isn't to be taken seriously. but the kind problem of way. though is that those seven tracks and it continues through all 11 of them is it's such a variety error that there's no sense of self at all it's- even when he's being actually confessional and you know you only have to look at the writing credits, and again, not a problem. Pick the best writers, spend the fucking money, absolutely. But this is an embarrassment of riches to the point where it just becomes an embarrassment. You have Guy Chambers, his, his, his you know, his long uh, kind of co-writer. Uh, you know, Ed Sheeran is there. There's a Snow Patrol guy. The Killers gave him a song. 
uh, Benny Blanco, Gary Go, Rufus Wainwright, Rufus Wainwright, an actual. It's just a Rufus Wainwright song, but him as a kind of weird cipher. Yeah, kind he of, yeah. pops up on Hotel Crazy, which is fine in that it's a Rufus Wainwright song, and Rufus Wainwright bits are fine. Yeah. John Grant is relegated to the bonus tracks bench. What's yeah. that about? This whole thing is a complete shambles. And the weirdest thing about it is that. You know, like, if you've seen Robbie Williams on the talk show circuit, as he has been over the past little while, I caught him on the Late Late Show the other week, because those are my crazy Friday nights these days. Um, I know he's had, like, a some sort of risque story pulled from Gray and Norton. Bottom line is, like, at the least the man does have personality, and he, he is, you know, an engaging character. But, yeah, it's just impossible to tell on these songs. I'm reminded of a line that I read around the time of uh, the Stone Roses releasing a single, and somebody said it sounded like uh, they'd forgotten that they'd booked studio time. <laughs> and it does, it sounds like Robbie Williams has arrived in studio here and has just started picking up the sheet music that was lying around. And it's like, this one's sensitive. And it's like, oh, that was for Ollie Moores. And he's yeah. like, doesn't matter, I'm having it. What about this one? And it's like, Johnny Logan left that. And he's like, <laughs> finders keepers. David's song is now mine. You know, yeah. uh, Pretty Woman feels like a joke. Oh my god! Uh, can, I, can we talk played. about Pretty Woman? Because I'm sorry, this is another. As I was saying, just this kind of neediness or this, this desperate thing of, I need to hook up with artists and have a big record. He's talked about basically begging Ed Sheeran via email to like give him whatever scraps he had. He's yeah. like, we wrote this like midway across the Atlantic. Ed Sheeran just sends him this dreadful like Ed Sheeran trying to be Pharrell still, you know, acoustic guitar thingy, which turns into a weird. Uh, like d- down ho cotton eye joe like british thing that mumford and sons wouldn't even attempt <laughs> it's horrible when it's like he starts talking about like shake what your mama gave you it's just robbie williams stop doing this you have children <laughs> the kiss demon days are over mate you know yeah and even the songs that sound like robbie williams you suddenly realize okay this sounds very 90s or early noughties robbie williams which actually kind of sounded like PJ and Duncan with some, like, Oasis guitar. That was his sound. <laughs> and then some ballads. No Regrets is a great song. It is. Like, he had some songs. Which, but... like, which also has, like, I think there's, like, Neil Hannon's on there, Neil Tennant's involved. I mean, he's always worked with people. And again, well, yeah. he needs to. He's Road to really... Mandalay was a good tune. He has, um, he has the odd belt here, I suppose. But, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think we've all heard enough of Robbie Williams over the years. We to certainly know have. That. That's been no encore for this week. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but as in, like, you know, just from radio play alone, like, yeah, he does have songs. And, you know, he does have, like I say, just some, some sort of substance on occasion. Um, but none of it is on show. This is, I have a stadium tour, and I'm aware that this could be the last stadium tour, so I better write some big numbers about nothing. This is my problem with the record overall. Robbie Williams is no longer a punchable guy. I remember like seeing him on TV when he like got the biggest record deal of all time with the time, and he was like, I'm rich, I'm rich sure. by my wildest dreams, and I've got all my supermodel girlfriends and all this kind of shit. And it's like, yeah, you're like, you're a fucking wanker, and I'd like, I'd like to slap the fucking lips off you. But I mean, ultimately, now you're just like, nah, man, you're, 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 you're just anemic. an insecure you're guy. Anemic, that's and actually... you're nobody, and Michael well, Williams. Michael Winner's ghost is haunting you, and you know you can probably uh, for people that haven't heard previous episodes, that's going to sound like the best ever. Random, just like nonsense. Here, you know, you're you're nobody. Michael Winner's ghost is haunting you. But my problem um, is this. My problem is that, and it's a problem that uh, people have touched on. Louise Bruton wrote a piece for the Irish Times recently in the wake of Niall Horan's really bad uh, lead single that he put out, which of course did big numbers because that's what these things do. It doesn't matter what the song is, and that's the problem. A lot of male-driven pop right now, the songs aren't fucking about anything. Yeah, I mean, I 
put the same charge at Britney Spears' feet. That's uh, fair enough her on her current album. record, but then you look around to like a lot of other female pop artists, maybe not Charlie XCX for you, based on last week. But overall, I do think women are doing it much better. As regards the lads, and it keeps up. I mean, let me ask you guys this question. You know, we got X amount of shows left before we do our end of year stuff. Do you guys want to review the new Busted album? No. No. Okay, well, I'm reviewing <laughs> the new Busted album, not on necessarily on this, but I'm going to be reviewing it, and I've heard it. It's out in a couple of weeks. What? Why are you doing this yourself? <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- this question has been posed, and I would like to say that, you know, for the record, I don't just pick these albums to go, I'll give it a bad yeah, review. Yeah, know that. Because you got to spend fucking time with it. But I, I mean, want... you could become like a carpenter or something and go live up the mountains, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'll do anything else. <laughs> Sounds preferable. Else, like... That's my plan for when I hit 40, I suppose. Okay. Um, <laughs> but no, I- I'm curious about a pop act, especially ones that come back after years and years in the wilderness. This is the main thing for me, yeah. That's why I that... picked this album to review for Drown Sound there and, and for here on the pod it's why I'm going to do the busted one but spoiler alert the busted one is problematic in the extreme they've gone LA they're the new Key West I thought you were going to say they were voting for Trump however, <laughs> US however having given it another spin last night after a few days off I mean that, it, it's a it's a weird one I'm not going to be giving a great review or anything but it's They've written some... I, I, I don't know. I, 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 but the songs... If you're literally thinking out loud here, But right? the songs aren't about anything, and this is what bothers me. And it bothers me when someone is, like, in Rob Williams' stature and has the ability to go, go out and get whoever he apparently wants yeah. to write songs for him, but they're not about a fucking thing. But here's the, and I, he can't put himself on it because his personality is actually gone. Yeah, but I I feel like he's trying though. I just think he's not succeeding. I don't think this is lazy. I think he's actually tried to no, do something. No, it isn't lazy. Here. It yeah. isn't lazy at all. Um, that's almost part of the problem. But sorry, Colm, I cut you off at seven times there. Sorry, I don't know. It just—it sounds almost like yeah, it's less that he has no personality, but it's more of an identity crisis thing. Like he—he he just seems to swing from from one end of the spectrum to the other at times here on this record, and it, ne- it never ever settles. Uh, maybe if you delve far enough into the bonus tracks, it does. I'm not <laughs> Didn't sure. Didn't go fucking near them. No, no, not no. the deluxe edition. This is not a deluxe any review. Further, uh, I've never been happier. To, I want to, to respect hear a song John Grant by not listening to his relegated track to the bonus section. Okay, uh, I've tired myself out. So it's You've tired us all out. I, I probably have, listeners. I apologize. I don't know what get what got into me. Three out of ten. Uh, four. Yeah, I'll give it a four as well. You guys are way too generous, but you know, it's it's the season of giving, so fair enough. Uh, So we're not going to do Busted next week then, no? No. Season of giving, though, uh, we do have another cracking song. I think we do. Craig isn't as on board with this one as we are. No. um, In a busy songs of the week that we, sorry, in a busy songs of the week, we've decided to uh, actually treat you to a full song of a song that blew me away this week, but not you. It's a song that sounds like it should be good. But it's doing nothing for me. I can't find my way in. Um, this guy's got face tattoos. <laughs> Scared are you? So I'm out straight away. <laughs> He's 19. Um, yeah, no, it, this is... I don't know. It's just so... Nothing. Like, it sounds... It's just nothing to me. It means nothing <laughs> it's, it's to me. It's actually interesting because when I heard this, maybe it's just the sounds on those vocals, I was... I, I'd flashbacks to look. And that really? sort of yeah 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 that sort of vocal effect that's going on. I didn't have that, but I can see it. Um, sure. For um, me, this is the sound of like me in two thousand and three. It's angsty Dave. Yeah, right. I didn't know that, Dave. <laughs> is that- <laughs> to, to be honest, I'm pretty glad that Papa Roach isn't playing us out this week. Then um, is it angsty Cullum then? No, no. Well, I suppose a little bit. Yeah, no. But it seems I, like it spoke. It's Cullum on a Tuesday. It seems like it spoke to you on some level. Yeah, I like this tune. Yeah, I do. And um, what am I missing then? Because I've, you know, people have been talking about him like he's a he's a you know hot young contender. 
Yeah, okay, this guy's name is Lil Peep, which is not Again, a good name. <laughs> yeah, for God's sake, guys. <laughs> uh, white rapper with face tattoos. He's about 19 and has pink hair and likes to wear... Uh, I think he wore like a Galatasaray jersey in one of his... He's like a SoundCloud sensation. Uh, pitchfork <laughs> were all over him. That's where I saw this track. and It's called Kiss. I It just really blew me away on first listen. There's just something about it. It has that real kind of earnestness. It's a, a weird hybrid of hip-hop and kind of Blink-182 style brand new kind of Taken Back Sunday style the type of stuff I mean like I used to fucking love Taken Back Sunday because I was an idiot but brand new are still great and Blink-22 had their moments um, it's braggadocious and he sounds like a bit of a knob but at the same time there's just there's a heart here there's a heart here and it's like there's something about it I feel about, about this song the way you did when video games came out and you're like this is why do people like it that song I, is it, terrible that, well no it's a very good song but that's my reaction to this anyway people can you know make up their own minds Yes, the little peeps, as the I presume his fans. Our, our little peeps. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to play us out this week um, is Lil Peep. The song is called Kiss. My name is Dave Hannity. This has been No Encore. There will be no encore. Thank you to my beautiful co-hosts. Word. No bother. And uh, we'll see you next week. Later.
HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details. Later. Huzzah! Later. Competition never waits. Take your gear on the go with a custom pack built to protect it. Because any place can be an arena. Game on. The Tumi Esports Capsule. Available on Tumi.com and select Tumi stores. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.